Hello, this is episode nine of season two. This episode is about study nooks, studies and home offices. Getting these spaces right can be super useful for supporting our kids as they move through school and potentially into university. And it can also make working from home simpler as well. So let's go through what you need to know. Welcome to Get It Right with the Undercover Architect. This is the podcast all about designing, building or renovating your home. I'm your host, Amelia Lee. Think of me as your secret ally. I am on a mission to help you create a home that makes your life better, whoever you're working with and whatever your dreams, your location or your budget. Together we'll uncover the nitty gritty of how to get it right and how to create a home that works, feels great and that you feel great in. So join me now. Today's episode is a shorter one after a few weeks of meaty longer episodes and in today's episode I'll be sharing how to get it right in your study nooks, studies and home offices. With so many of us trying to balance our working lives and our families we find that the edges can get a little blurred so that often means that we're bringing work home or that we're actually building businesses from home. And with kids growing through school and university, they're also often studying at home and needing space to do it as well. As parents and usually working parents, trying to combine all of these activities with everyday family life can be challenging. And it can be critical to give everyone the space and the quiet to focus on their work when they need it in order for our homes to work well. I find this consistently with the families that I meet and I work with. Everything is happening all the time and your home needs to support you doing lots of things at once. So throwing together dinner whilst helping a child with homework, finishing up those last minute work emails whilst having a conversation with your partner, speaking to a client on the phone whilst watching your kids in the garden or having a child at home sick but still needing to check into the office from home and get some stuff done. Our lives are busy, there's no doubt about it. And whilst we do what we can to bring intention and quiet into them where possible and focus on one thing at a time, sometimes we're just juggling. Look, honestly, often we're juggling. And this seems to be most true in how we balance work and family life inside our homes. So I find that creating spaces and rooms where this work can occur in a semi-uninterrupted way, it can really help with family sanity overall. And look, I know personally, I have run businesses from our dining table, and it's really not fun for general family life. So if you're renovating or building, it can be a simple inclusion to provide a space or room for you to work in your home and to improve your lifestyle overall. Now, I'll start with the four F's and how they relate to study nooks, studies and home offices. And then, of course, I'll share three mistakes to avoid and three design tips for you. So let's dive in, shall we? Firstly, let's look at functionality. Now, as I talk about study nooks, studies and home offices, I'm actually talking about three different types of spaces or rooms. Each of these can share a purpose or you can end up creating different versions of each with each one specific to a unique purpose. Some family homes will have all three in them. So what do I mean? Well, let me explain. A study nook is a simple space. It's tucked into a larger room or an area like a hallway. And how much you fit this out is really up to you, your needs and your budget, because it can be simply a desk or a bench in a corner with a computer on it. 
I really recommend its inclusion in family homes for a few reasons. So one reason is to have a desktop computer that's readily accessible. As great as mobile devices and tablets are, a desktop computer really still comes in handy for family life. And it's also good to have one where you can see what's going on. So either you can be using the desktop computer and keeping an eye on things around you, or you can see how it's being used whilst others are on it, because this also makes family life much more convenient. So if you're planning on including a study nook, think about what else you're going to need besides the computer. Will you need a printer? some shelving. These spaces, they can be a great hub as a charging station as well for all your various devices. And you can also locate homework files and important household documents here. And sometimes too, a notice board and a calendar can be a great inclusion. Depending on where they are in the home, a study nook can actually act as a home command station for you. Now, whilst the names study and home office themselves, they can really be used interchangeably. I do believe that a study has a a slightly different function to a home office and that both are dedicated spaces or rooms. However, an office implies that business activities are solely run from there. If you're running a business from home, that really may change how you use your home office space. And it may also impact whether others can use it and what needs to go into it. Whereas a study, by contrast, that's generally about having a quiet space that can be closed off and separated from the rest of the home. And of course, you may do business work in there. However, there is a bit of a difference and albeit it might be a subtle one, but it can impact the functionality of these rooms. So some of this difference can largely be in what other functions your study or your home office may perform. So we spoke in the last episode about guest bedrooms and the possibility of locating a sofa bed or a Murphy bed, one that folds down out of the wall, for example, in your study. Now, if you're running a business from a home, it really can be too problematic to give over your workspace to guests during their stay. And hence your home office doubling as a guest room possibly won't work for you. If you're creating a study, is it really a study or is it a multi-purpose room that doubles as a fifth bedroom, a study, a guest space, perhaps an exercise room with the treadmill in it, perhaps it's also a library, a cellar, it's an escape room, you know, it's all of these things all in one. For example, I know a certain study. And this study is downstairs in this person's home and it's away from all the bedrooms and living spaces. It has a great big old-fashioned desk in it with a computer and a printer on it and there's also a phone in there. There's an exercise bike which you actually can't get to anymore because this room also performs as a wine cellar and the wine orders have stacked up around the bike so you can't get to the bike anymore. And it's also got overflow clothing storage and there's a sofa bed in there for guests, but the sofa is used more frequently for a quiet kip by the owner. And the owner of this study is my father. And this study is as much his sanity room as it is his home office. So what function or functions do you need your study or home office to perform? And who in your family will also be allowed to use it? With both the study and the home office, I encourage you to map out how much work you and anyone else in your family actually does from home. And then you can see how this room really needs to perform, what needs to go into it, and how it needs to work. 
Is it a space that you'll share with other members of your family? So will you need a desk big enough for a few people to sit at at one time? Or is this space about you closing yourself away for solo focused work time? Do you see your kids doing their homework in there, for example? Is this study the main family study area where the family computer will go? Or do you see it being your space alone where it is completely off limits to others? As for orientation, studies are fantastic when they're located on a south-facing orientation for the Southern Hemisphere. So that south-facing orientation really provides low-glare, non-direct sunlight, which is a great quality natural light level in a study or a home office space. And to be honest, if you're using any other orientation for your study, you're going to have to manage direct light, especially when considering how you'll view computer screens at different times of the day where you might have light coming directly in through a window. So next, let's have a look at flexibility. Now, again, this may seem obvious, but flexibility in a study nook, a study or a home office is really about how significant this space is and the role that it performs in your home for your family. So if you have children that need a space to study or use the computer, but you're building your forever home, well, that study nook will obviously see some activity over the course of your children being at school, but that will change over time. So some homeowners that I work with, they'll actually create a study nook that then can double as a craft space, or particularly if they like sewing, it can be a sewing table as well. You may find that this means that you create a space that can be furnished as a few different things, or you could build a nook that actually has a built-in bench behind cupboard doors, or it might be built into a specific space under the stairs. You know, is this something that's fixed or is it something that's more temporary? You may find that it works to have a dedicated space for a desk in the corner of your living room or your dining room that will in years to come become a storage space for something else or for a specific piece of furniture. If you have a study space or a home office, then the flexibility for that room will really be about the other functions that that room needs to perform and how frequently it will be performing those functions. So if your study needs to double as guest accommodation, as I said before, how will you build that into the study room? And then what will you do to make sure that the house can enable you to work flexibly elsewhere whilst you have guests staying? Now, next is furnishability. Now, furnishability in these spaces often comes down to choosing whether you want to build everything in or you want to have loose furniture or a combination of both. The first thing is really choosing a desk height because that can be really important and also making a decision about whether you want flexibility around the desk height itself. You know, standing desks are becoming more and more popular, particularly for people who work at a desk for a long period of time because they promote better posture and practices around inactivity during long periods of work. So consider whether you're going to need a desk that can be adjusted or whether you're happy having something that's built in that you can pull a chair or a stool up to. Have a look as well at what power and phone and internet requirements you might need in a study nook or your study or your home office. You know, they're power intensive spaces in the home and you'll usually need quite a few PowerPoints and potentially need surge protectors as well to limit damage during storms. 
A study nook itself can actually clutter up living areas if it's visibly located in them. So consider how you can furnish it so that you can keep it looking uncluttered and organised and what you can do to keep it really simple for you to maintain as a clean and organised space. You know, you may want to consider a desk that you can literally push the chair or stool right in underneath and have cupboard doors that you can close over the top of. Remember also to make all of your storage fit for purpose. So shelves that suit files and books, they don't need to be excessively deep. And with most computers being flat screens these days, our desk surfaces don't need to be very deep either. So you might be surprised at how little space you need for a study nook to be really functional for you and a great inclusion in your home. And as paperless as we like to think we are, we still need storage space for files and for important documents so that we can always lay our hands on them when we need them. Now, finally, let's have a look at flow. So with study nooks, there's a few locations that naturally lend themselves to having these types of spaces in them. So near your kitchen is a great one because this is where it can really act as the home command station that I mentioned earlier. So as you may know, many homeowners are now creating butler's pantries and I'm finding that with some planning help, what you can actually do is create this core storage pod almost in your floor plan that will have the butler's pantry on one side and will have a study nook on the other. Under the stairs is also another great opportunity to use what can really be dead space for something that's then super functional. So stairs are usually quite centrally located in the home, so that can make them a really great hub space to locate your study nook. Sometimes it's simple to include a study nook upstairs and this can either be at the top of the stair landing or in a hallway space near the kids' bedrooms. So this will keep study and computer use outside of the bedrooms and it will also be away from the main activity of the home. But be careful, especially if you have little ones still. If you're putting desks and chairs up against stair balustrades and near stair voids, they can quickly become climbing platforms for little ones to get themselves into trouble. Now, a study that's to be used more as a family study, it really can be centrally located near main living spaces, but with the ability to close it off acoustically. And I still believe that if this space is to be used by kids for homework and on computers, that you should really locate it so that you can easily poke your head in and keep an eye on things and what they're up to. Now, if a study is doubling as a guest bedroom, that will certainly impact its location in the home because you'll need to start thinking about proximity to bathrooms and those types of things that we discussed in the last episode. One of the big causes of stress that I see in family homes is when homeowners actually run a business from home or they do a lot of work at home regularly and then they're trying to make phone calls. So I've had a few clients lately who have been real estate agents and this is particularly relevant from them because they're taking lots of phone calls after hours and on the weekends. And what happens then is, you know, family life is noisy, kids are bouncing around from room to room around the house and constantly it's, you know, keep your voice down, mum or dad are on the phone, you need to be quiet. And that adds a lot of stress to family life and to the person trying to conduct a business as well. So if you do need to make phone calls or Skype calls as a regular part of your work, both inside and outside of work hours, consider this in how you'll design the study, the home office or the space or the room. And 
where you're going to position it in the home as a result. So, you know, stable internet and sound protection from the rest of your home, this will do wonders to make any space in your house help you be quiet and help the family be calm and really lower stress overall and help you be able to work productively from home. And this will help keep the family and the home happy overall. So I actually suggest locating a home office near the front door or even separate to the house itself and especially keeping it separate from the living and kitchen areas. This can be useful too if if you ever have people that come and visit you at home for your business. If you locate your home office near the front door or near an easy access point into your home so that visitors don't actually have to come into the rest of the house in order to see you and this way you can then separate your work life and your family life to some extent. Okay, so now let's have a look at the three common mistakes that I see homeowners make when it comes to study nooks, studies and home offices. So mistake number one is poor furniture planning in the study. Now, remember, you don't have to sit with your back to the door. It's actually better to sit sideways to it or facing the door. That's actually a much better arrangement. And if you can determine where you'll position your computer and any glazing in the room, so any windows in the room, try and do that so that they don't conflict because it's actually really lovely to be able to sit in your study or home office and have a view out but not have the window position really impact the usability of your computer or mean that you have to lower a blind in order to manage screen reflections during the day. Now, if you have a lovely view from your study or home office and you can't avoid sitting with your back to the door, then design the study space or home office so that it's possible to know if somebody's actually approaching your office or study before they sort of turn up. So this may be an acoustic thing as well. Now, mistake number two is forgetting storage and space for all the other things that need to go into a study or a home office. Often these rooms will actually be quite small. And so by the time you add a desk and a window, you can run out of wall space for essentials like shelving. And I don't know about you, but in my office at home, I I like to pin things up on the wall. So I have reminders and calendar and kids drawings. So wall space may be important to you in how you create your study or your home office space. So just remember that when you're designing. Mistake number three is actually forgetting a place to put the printer. And this can happen be at a study nook or a study or a home office. And you'd be surprised how many homeowners do this. And then they need to accommodate their printers in spaces that are really quite visible in the home. Printers, they're generally not that attractive. And uh, most of them can be run wirelessly now through your home internet. So you actually don't need them necessarily to be right next to the computer um, that you're printing from. However, They'll obviously need a power supply and they need some space to sit on a desktop or something like that because they can be quite bulky. Now, let's have a look at three design tips. Now, as I said earlier, these spaces, study nooks, studies and home offices, they're power hungry and they're often a mess of cords and plugs and spaghetti running everywhere. So my tip number one is to remember that your PowerPoints don't all need to be down at the floor or skirting board level. Now, it's great if you know where you're putting your desk and then you can actually put PowerPoints up at that height. So either just below your desk level and then have a data cable cut through like a hole, cut through the desktop so that you can feed all your power cords up through or just above the desk level. And then you can easily reach the PowerPoints too, should you need to. 
remember that you'll need task lighting most likely as well. So make sure that you have a power supply for that as well. Now, design tip number two is to provide seating alternatives to your desk chair. So one thing I recommend with home offices and studies in particular is that you include somewhere comfy to sit that's not your desk. Many clients that I work with who need a space to work from home, yet they'll also have family who'll pop their heads in or they'll have kids who might come and join them in their office as well. And a comfy chair in your studies or office space means that, you know, your partner can come in with a cup of tea and can sit and and have a natter with you just during a break in your working day. And it also means that a child can come in and can curl up quietly with a book or a device if you need to keep an eye on them whilst getting some work done. Or it also means that you can sit somewhere else beside your desk whilst reading a report or some information that you want to want to read so that you're not always having to sit at your desk, at your computer in order to get things done. It really changes the comfort level of the room overall and it doesn't take up a lot of extra space to do it. So just a corner for a comfy chair is a really lovely inclusion. Now, design tip number three is that if sound separation and acoustic protection is actually a really big issue for you and for working from home and managing your sanity with your family, then I'd really consider providing some extra insulation in your office. There are lots and lots of products on the market that can provide great sound insulation in a residential building. Honestly, it may be as simple as changing the hollow core door into the room to a solid core door and upgrading the plus plasterboard in the room to a thicker version. Most plasterboard manufacturers, they actually have sound insulation versions of their plasterboard products that, that are part of their domestic range. So that's it for study nooks, studies and home offices. Now, as I said, these really can be a simple inclusion and you can create them as a multi-purpose space that actually helps the functionality of your home overall. I know many business owners who work from home full time and they've actually built small studios in their back garden, which is another approach entirely. And honestly, if you're building a business from home and you're working from home full time, it may be worthwhile you investigating that as part of your building project or your renovation project and really checking with your local council whether that's an option for you. I've got some great study nook examples on the Undercover Architect Pinterest board too, so I'll be sure to pop a link to that in the show notes and on the blog. Now, next week's episode is all about stairs and garages. (laughs) That may sound like an odd combination, but often the two are linked in the planning of a home. And given our garages are often as big, if not bigger, than the living rooms of our homes, there's a few things to know to get it right. And look, stairs can perform many more functions than simply getting you between the different levels of your home. So tune in for the next episode for lots of helpful tips and info. I'll see you then. Thank you so much for joining me here at Get It Right with Undercover Architect. If you're wanting to learn more about how to design a home, I've actually created a special five-step e-guide to get you started. It's free and you can get your copy now. It's called How to Design a Home, Five Simple Steps to Getting It Right and you can head to www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash home design to get your free copy emailed straight to your inbox and I'll put that link in the show notes. 
If you've enjoyed listening to the podcast, please head to iTunes and subscribe because that way then you'll be the first to know about new episodes and you'll also help others like you find out about this podcast. I'd really love it if you could leave a review too, please, because it'll tell iTunes to share this podcast with other homeowners like you. And if you have friends or family planning their future homes, please let them know about the podcast as well. Everyone who is renovating or building can then get support in getting it right. This has been Amelia Lee from Undercover Architect. Thank you for tuning in and for letting me be your secret ally. Looking forward to next time. Bye. Jackrabbit FM. For your ears. Who is that? Hi, Puck Pass.